Let's open in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you that we can come before you to, um, to hear from your word and to worship you. We pray that you would draw us deeper to you and that you would help us to pursue you uh, deeper and more intentionally. We pray that you would just draw us and empower us by your Holy Spirit, and we thank you for your grace and amen. So the title of today's sermon is Pursuing Deeper Worship. It's exactly what we're going to be talking about, believe it or not. And um, first we're going to talk about, first I'm going to define what I mean by worship in the context of this sermon at least. And um, then we're going to talk about how to grow in worship, uh, grow deeper in your worship and principles for worshiping more effectively. So first, um, worship comes from the old English Skype. I hope I'm saying that right. Deanna can correct Okay, yeah, German, whatever. Uh, but it basically means to acknowledge the worth-ship of another. So when we are um, worshiping God, through, um, we're acknowledging his divine worth-ship, worth his divine worth, his infinite worth. Because God's worth isn't just the worth of another being. God has divine worth. God's worth is infinite. But specifically in this sermon, when I'm using the term worship, I'm referring to worship through music and songs and praise. And, um, and I'm trying to convince Sam to do another sermon on worship, but I'll wait till he's done with his PhD. <laughs> his will be bigger in scope. <laughs> um, one definition that I wrote down for worship at least through music and praise, is that it's proclaiming the divine and infinite worth of God through music and praise. All right, so why worship is important. Hopefully we all get that worship is important, but I also hope we all come to get that a little bit deeper. So I'm gonna bother to talk about it anyways. Um, the first reason why worship is important is that it's commanded and it's just right because God is worthy of our worship and of our praise. Um, there's multiple verses that say this. There's too many to look at today in the time of this message, but first we're going to look at Psalm 150, verse 6. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And um, Psalm 147, verse 1. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant, and a song of praise is fitting. So if nothing else, we should worship because God deserves our worship, and God commands us to praise him. Not just that, but Heaven, which earth, one of God's goals for the earth is for it to be increasingly more like heaven. Heaven is filled with the praises and worship of God. And, you know, like I said, there's countless other verses we could go to, but we don't have the time to. Um, the second reason worship is important is that worship enhances your perspective. So, 
you know, life is a battle to have the right perspective. A lot of our struggles that we have come from not having the right perspective about one thing or another, but worship enhances our perspective in several ways. It puts our focus on God, it reminds us of God's love, it reminds us of his strength, it reminds us of his sovereignty, it reminds us of his faithfulness, and it puts the priorities of our life in perspective. And if you want to experience this deeper, but you know, if you're not sure if it's true or not, just try worshiping more every day for a week. You'll see how worship does enhance your perspective. And this is important, this is something we need as Christians. The third reason worship is important is that it gives us joy or increases our joy. Um, Let's take a look at Psalm 16, verse 11. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. So when we worship, we come into God's presence, and in God's presence there's fullness of joy. And like, if you've never thought about this verse deeply, it's worth deep pondering, but this is something you have to come to know experientially. Like for me personally, I don't always have joyful worship, but um, some of the better times of worship I have have been some of the most joyful experiences of my life without any comparison at all. And like for people who worship deeply and worship regularly, you can ask anyone. Like, there is a special and unique joy in God's presence that is only found in God's presence. And I think sometimes as Christians, we undervalue the joy that we're supposed to have, but God created us to enjoy him. Our enjoying him glorifies him. And our enjoyment of him, it also gives us strength to live. I do want to quickly mention Nehemiah 8, verse 10. Um, you know, this is when the Israelites were rebuilding the wall and they were being persecuted by people trying to kill him who did not want them to rebuild the wall. Um, But Nehemiah said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet wine and send portions to anyone who um, who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to the Lord and do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. When you come into God's presence regularly during worship, it gives you strength for your daily life and your daily struggles. And that's something we all need. The next reason I have why worship is important is worship brings you closer to God. So, again, this is one of the things you kind of need to experience, but worship is interaction with God, so it makes sense that it causes you to be closer to him, because worship, by and large, is a type of prayer. And when you worship, you come to know and see God's glory in an experiential way. And that causes you to know him deeper, and that brings you closer to him. 
Because if you just know about someone, you don't really have a relationship with them. But worship is experiential. Worship is getting to know God on a practical level. And not only that, but worship can help us. Coming into God's presence regularly helps us to hear God's voice more clearly. I want to take a look at Acts 13, verse 2. Um, This was when the disciples were looking for guidance, um, and God gave them guidance. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. The more we come into the presence of the Lord, it does help us to hear God's voice more clearly. And that's really important. We need to hear God's voice. We need his guidance. The next reason why pursuing deeper worship is important is worship increases and leads to sanctification. So when we see God correctly and when we come into his presence and see his glory, it causes us to want to reflect him, or it will cause us to want to reflect him. Um, Let's take a look at 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So one of the things I think that helps us to be transformed into the image of God is seeing his glory. Seeing God's glory will change your heart and it causes you to want to be more like God. And you know, struggle with desire for sanctification, that's a struggle we all have. There's several days I don't really want to be sanctified, like every day, every single day. Worship causes your heart to be more aligned with the heart of God, which leads to greater desire to obey him. So I want to also think about, so worship is coming into the presence of God, and the presence of God changes people. Uh, Let's take a quick look at Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. In the year that King Uzziah died... I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. 
and he touched my mouth and he said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And then I said, here I am, send me. So let's look at what happened. Isaiah, a few things happened in Isaiah's day. Isaiah was having a normal day, any other day, normal thoughts. He comes into the presence of God in a deep and unique way, and he realizes, woe is me. So that's the first thing. He realizes his sin and God's holiness. But that's not all that happens. God cleanses him and shows him that he is cleansed. And then that leads to send me. So there's a journey that happens that was caused by coming into God's presence. He understood the gospel more because he understood his sin. He understood God's redemption. And the gospel realized through coming into the presence of God has its effect. Send me. The deeper we come into God's presence, the more we'll have desire to evangelize. If you come deeply and regularly into God's presence and you don't have desire to evangelize, something's wrong. Moreover, God's going to change that if that's the case. This is a very important point. Worship leads to increased sanctification. We need that power in our daily lives. That brings us to the next point why worship is important. There's power in worship. Power that isn't accessible through other means. So let's, let's look at a few things. Um, Israel and war. So Israel, ex- um, God knew that there was power in worship And because of that, they actually used worship in physical warfare. Worship's very important for spiritual warfare, but there's even sufficient power in worship for physical warfare. Not that physical warfare is, you know, more than spiritual warfare. Let's look at 2 Chronicles 20, verse 21 through 23. So this is King um, Jehoshaphat. The Jerusalem is about to be attacked by Assyria, 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 and um, you know he has to decide what to do about that. So, talking about King Jehoshaphat, and when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise Him in holy attire. As they went before the army and say, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the man of Ammon, uh, Moab and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah so that they were routed. They were totally defeated. For the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. And they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir. They all helped to destroy one another. So this is totally God's intervention. 
totally, unmistakably God's sovereign intervention. This wasn't a small victory. They totally destroyed one another. They made an end of the inhabitants of Seir. Also, there's, you know, Jericho falling down. Let's take a quick look at Joshua chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. So there's definitely um, power in worship, but there's especially power for spiritual warfare, which is very important. And we still have examples of that. It's not just that physical warfare is a type of image of spiritual warfare, which it is, but there's direct um, testaments in the scriptures of how worship affects spiritual warfare. Let's take a look at 1 Samuel 16, verses 14 through 16, and verse 23. Now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. And Saul's servants said to him, Behold now, a harmful spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is skillful in playing the lyre, And when the harmful spirit from God is upon you, he will play it and you will be well. And whenever the harmful spirit from God was upon Saul, David took the lyre and played it with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the harmful spirit departed from him. If you have experience with deliverance or deliverance ministry, you know worship affects spiritual warfare. Worship also, um, can, it creates an atmosphere for God's power to come in certain ways that are greatly helpful in spiritual warfare. Let's take a look at 2 Kings three fourteen through 15. Um, and Elisha said, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, Were it not that I have regard for Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would neither look at or see you. Right now he's talking to the king of Israel, um, whom Jehoshaphat had been communicating with and had had a sort of alliance with. Um, But now bring me a musician. And when the musician played, the hand of the Lord came upon him. The hand of the Lord came upon Elijah to prophesy. And then he gave his prophecy to the king of Israel. Worship opens the gate for us to experience more of the power of God in our lives. For deliverance, for spiritual gifts, for greater anointing, for knowing God deeper, for coming into the presence of God deeper. 
Worship opens the door for more power of God. Worship isn't the only means by which we have the power of God. We definitely can't only pursue worship. We also need prayer. We also need God's word. But worship is an important means for pursuing the power of God that we can't neglect. We need this power at this time in our lives, and God wants us to have it. We need this as a church. We need to be growing in spiritual warfare, growing, conquering in spiritual warfare. And lastly, kind of as a summary, the last reason why it's important for us now to pursue deeper worship is having a lifestyle of passionate worship will change your entire life. So think about all the six things I mentioned before this one, and just in summary, if you had these six things going on greater, you know, that would change your entire life. If you haven't written these down and you're taking notes, I'll leave them up for just a bit for you to write them down. Part two, principles for effective worship. So um, before we get into this, I want to bother to define what I mean by effective worship. What I mean when saying effective worship, effective worship is when you're not just singing, but in your heart and spirit and mind, you can clearly see the greatness of God and you get to appreciate it and enjoy it and be in awe of his glory. I'm going to read that again. Effective worship is when you're not just singing, but in your heart and spirit and mind, you can clearly see the greatness of God and you get to appreciate and enjoy it and be in awe of his glory. Effective worship like that is a drawing closer to God that will bring you relationally closer to him. All right. Um, we've defined it, what I mean by effective worship. So I have like nine principles for growing in effective worship, but before we get into the nine, I think there's two primary essential ingredients for effective worship that you just have to have these before you even start. Number one is submission to God. If you're not submitted to God, if you have ongoing sin in your life, you're not doing anything about, you're not even trying to repent of, then that's a major block because you're all, worship is acknowledging the worship of God and you're already like putting his worth way below yours. You have no hope of having a heartfelt knowing of his greatness if you already think he's less great than you. The second primary essential ingredient for effective worship is accepting his love for you. 
And if this is something you struggle with like I do, you can go back and listen to the two-part series I just did on it. But um, for me, this has been the biggest struggle I've had in worship. Because, you know, if you think or tend to believe that God doesn't love you or you struggle with believing it, why would you want to come into God's presence? That'd be a miserable thing to be avoided. That's why accepting God's love for you is a very important thing, and if you struggle with it, you know, we all tend to struggle with it, but you need to, um, you need to fight against that. You need to be intentional about that. You need to overcome that. All right, first of nine principles for growing in effective worship. Number one, intentionally pursue knowing God. So let's get into why this makes a difference and then how to do it. Um, So every thought you think about God has a context to it. Every thought you think about anyone has a context to it, and that context is the collection of your beliefs and attitudes about them. So I kind of wrote out an example for this because I had to think a bit of how to um, express this or clarify what I mean by this. So someone can tell me that my wife is a cool person, and I'll agree with them. When my ears hear the statement that my wife is a cool person, my mind thinks it and agrees with it, but what it means to me might be totally different than what it means to the other person. Because the thought that Teresa's a cool person is a thought that has already been built in my mind, but it's built out of a bunch of other thoughts and memories I have about her. The other person saying it, their thought that Teresa's a cool person is built out of their thoughts and memories about her. So when we're all standing together and we say God is great, that might mean two totally different things to two different people who both agree with it. That's why the more you know God, the more equipped you are to worship him. The statement God is great, which we should think all the time, will mean much more to us the deeper we know God. Because when you think a thought like that, you think of it in light of or in the context of all your other thoughts about God. So other than the two you know, primary and special essential ingredients. I put this at the top of the list because I think this is the biggest thing you can do um, to grow deeper in worship and to pursue worship deeper. But let's talk about how practically to pursue knowing God deeper. So first off, if you've never read the entire Bible, then make that your goal to finish it this year or halfway through next year, but hopefully this year. 
And you should be regularly reading through the entire Bible. When I say regularly, I mean once every year or two. The second biggest thing that I can tell you on how to get to know God deeper, and this really helped me a lot. This is something I did. I haven't, I've gotten back into it recently, but this is something I mostly did eh, four years ago, but it really helped me in knowing God deeper and in knowing his word deeper. But keep a knowing God book or a knowing God journal. So... What I would do when I would do this is I'd have this book. Now it's an Evernote, but it used to be like a journal. And, um, and I would have a page be like a list. And I would write at the top, God is sovereign. And I'd write down like all the verses that show God is sovereign. Any verse that points it out, write that down. Maybe write implications about God's sovereignty or thoughts about God's sovereignty. Then I'd have another one, God is all powerful. Every verse that shows God is our powerful, write it down. God's omnipresent. Every verse that shows it, write it down. Implications of it, thoughts you have about it, write it down. God's omniscient, God's loving, all the attributes of God you can think of. You don't have to do this all at once, you shouldn't do this all at once, but this should be something you regularly do. This book, this journal, this should grow. This should grow like your knowledge of God grows. And the nice thing about having like a book or a journal like this is you can use it to meditate on God. If you just go through and read these before worship, it'll make your worship better. You'll have fresh thoughts in your mind about the greatness of God and who God is. And like I mentioned, five attributes about God you could write about as examples, but keep going. Try to fill the book up. There's a lot you can write about God, way more than could be written in books at all. If you really want to be serious about your worship, then you should do this. And if you if you would have trouble because you don't know where to start, then you could, if you want, you could read Knowledge, Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. That'll give you ideas on where to start. But that's one of the biggest things I can recommend to people to know God deeper, to worship deeper. Second principle for growing in effective worship. Engage your mind fully during worship. So at least for me, and I would assume this is true for most people, when it comes to me singing a song I already know the words to, it takes up probably about 10% of my attention. I can totally sing the whole thing without thinking about it at all. And that happens to me sometimes. I think it's easy to do. But the real thing is what do you do with the other 80 to 90% of your attention? What do you think about with that other 80, 90%? You have to be intentional about guiding it in the right direction. Otherwise, it'll just go wherever and you'll be thinking about what you're having for lunch and um, anything. It's funny, I can, 
I don't always pay attention to the 80-90%. I remember to sing the song, but sometimes I don't remember to change the slide. <laughs> you need to be intentional about paying attention during worship, but you need to engage your whole mind. So one thing that really helps, in order to be intentional about engaging your whole mind, you should have a goal of what you're going to be thinking about with the rest of your attention during worship. Because singing doesn't take up all of your attention, and that's good. Because it's helpful to think about things beyond just the words during worship. So first off, you should be thinking about the words, you should think about the lyrics, but you should think about them deeper than just, you know, face value, not at all thinking deeper about them. Secondly, you can think about this during the singing parts, but also during the musical interludes. Um, can we go to the uh, what to think about during worship slide? So I'm gonna give you a list of general thoughts to think about beyond the words during worship that will help you be more engaged during worship with your, your heart, your spirit, and your mind. So number one, we think about who God is. His nature, his character, his heart, and his attributes. Because what we're trying to do in worship, we're trying to, ex to see the greatness of God. So if you're not thinking about God, you're not seeing the greatness of God. I can assure you that if you're not thinking about God, you're not seeing the greatness of God. So who God is, his nature, his character, his heart, and his attributes, it would be good to write these down if you're taking notes. Also, what God has done. Because who God is is a major aspect of God's glory. Another major aspect of God's glory is what God has done. What God has done in your life, what God has done throughout time, and what God has done in redemption. Those are major, major aspects of God's glory. And not only that, but what God is doing and what God will do. His promises and his future goodness. That's another major aspect of God's glory. We'll leave the slide up for a few more seconds so you can write it down. This really makes a big difference. Like, I remember maybe a few months ago, I kind of realized this thought, oh, I need to fully engage my mind during worship. And previously, I really hadn't been. The times where I like wasn't paying attention at all, those were a lot. But not just that. Like, so going from not really paying attention to just paying the average amount of attention, paying attention to the words, that's a big move. But moving from that to being fully engaged, being very intentional, thinking specific thoughts about God's glory in several aspects, that's another huge move. That'll take your worship further. So even if you're already paying attention during worship, but you're not fully engaged like you could be, making this move will make a difference. All right, third principle for pursuing deeper worship. Pursue being relationally closer to God. 
So there's multiple ways we can do that through prayer, through worship, um, through Bible reading. This is kind of similar to the first point, but the first point's almost knowing more about God, knowing him more, knowing about him. But your relational closeness to God kind of has to do with how much time you spend in the presence of God, how much time you spend in prayer and in the word. And, um, and it's, a, it's a spiritual thing. It's um, how relationally close to God you are. This will make a difference in your worship. It's kind of like, so if I know more about Teresa, the thought that Teresa's cool will mean more to me, but also if I'm closer to Teresa, an emotional and relational closeness is not the same as knowing about a person, that, will, that statement will also mean more to me. So pursuing relational closeness to God is another thing that will increase your level of worship. It will increase the effectiveness of your times of worship. So pursue being relationally close to God. Principle number four, think of your worship as being to God. So this makes a difference in like, at least for me, causing me to draw closer to God through worship. If I think of, and it kind of takes some being intentional about what you're thinking about, but if I think of worship as I'm singing praises to God and God is hearing with them, then it becomes, for me, an interaction with God, which is what it should be. And interacting with God is a relational thing. Causes you to grow closer in your relationship with God. But you should think of your worship as being to God. At least for the songs where you're singing to God, that is. All right, principle number five. Pursue being filled with the Holy Spirit and not demonic spirits. So when I say that, I'm not, I'm not assuming people are p- pursuing being filled with demonic spirits, though people might be, I don't know. <laughs> but um, pursue being not filled with demonic spirits. The more filled with the Spirit you are, the more ready you'll be to go deep in worship. Because the Holy Spirit's always working in your heart, and the more filled you are with the Spirit, the more God's working in your heart. And God always draws you to himself. And the more filled you are with demonic spirits, which is something we all struggle with, the more hindrances you'll have to overcome. Because demonic spirits don't want you to worship God. They want to get in the way. And they will try to get in the way. And they will cause hindrances. But even if this is like a major struggle, you can't let this stop you. So it can seem like one of those things, it might seem like one of those things where, you know, you're applying for a job and you need experience, but how are you going to get experience without a job? So I have a few things to say about that. Number one, worship anyways, because even though demonic, the demonic struggles we all have might be a hindrance, they are a hindrance, but they can't keep you from worshiping. The only thing that can keep you from worshiping is you're choosing not to. They can be a hindrance, but they can't keep you from worship. So worship anyways, because worship leads to power, and even if it's difficult, you need to push through it, because that will help. Second, pursue deliverance. 
We have teams of people who help with this. It's God's will for you to be delivered from your demons if you're a child of God. Pursue deliverance. Not only that, but ask God to fill you with his spirit. God will fill you with the spirit if you ask. Let's look at Luke 11, verse 13. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You need to have it built into your head. If I ask God to fill me with his spirit, he will fill me with his spirit. And you should ask him daily. Because we need daily filled with the spirit. Uh, principle number seven. Be intentional, be intentional about having times of worship. Number six. <laughs> be intentional about uh, having times of worship. So, you know, all this is great, but if you don't actually worship, you know, if you don't actually take the time to spend time in worship, it won't, it won't do you any good even if you bother to do these things. Or at least it won't do any good in worship. It'll still do you good to know God better and to pursue deliverance and to pursue being filled with the Spirit. But to, be, to grow in worship, you should be intentional about having time in worship. So planning and scheduling time to worship, uh, it doesn't have to be a long time. Think of it like working out. Almost all spiritual disciplines should be thought of like exercise, like if you miss several days of exercise and then, oh, I'm just gonna exercise for 10 hours today, that'll make it all better. Nope, <laughs> probably won't. Um, it, it, I want to do it for 10 hours. <laughs> you know, 15 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day, small times but consistency, that makes a big difference in working out and in spiritual disciplines. Principle number seven, um, have perseverance. You know, our worship won't always go how we want it to. There's a lot of times where I'm having struggles in worship and worship's not going how I want it to. But have perseverance. But more than having perseverance, you know, the reason you worship isn't just so it goes how you want it to. Worship pleases God, and I think an important part of our thinking needs to be that even if my worship doesn't seem to be having any practical effects in my life, more than that, even if it isn't, just for the sake of argument, even if my worship isn't having practical effects in my life, I believe there is a level of objective worth to it anyways. Because you're declaring the praises of God, and God hears them, and God enjoys it. If you're doing it from a heart of obedience, it has objective worth because it pleases God anyways, even if it has no practical effects in your life. And you need to think that. That'll help you to persevere when it's not going how you want it to. Principle number eight. Have a mix of private and corporate worship. So both private and corporate worship have their own benefits and their own place in your life. Um, corporate worship 
tends to help people come into God's presence in a special way that sometimes they won't in private worship. Because you know where two or three or more are gathered in his name, he is with them in a special way. But also private worship, you know, Jesus mentions about private prayer, private fasting. Private worship has its place, but especially just, you can't always meet with people every single day of the week to worship. You can always worship by yourself any day of the week. We're getting a bit of feedback on the mic. Can you turn it down a tiny bit? And sometimes it's, it can be easier to come into God's presence during private worship. Kind of depends on the person, the people you're worshiping with, life circumstances, what God's trying to do for, in your life right now in this season. But private and corporate worship are both important. If all your worship is corporate worship and that's it, then you're missing what you could have during worship. And if all your worship is private worship and that's it, then you're missing what you could be having during worship. You need a mix of both. The last principle I have for increasing effective worship is be expressive during worship. So the Bible does say to raise your hands in worship. I forgot to write that verse down. It's in Paul's letter to Timothy. Um, you know, let men lift up holy hands. But however you be expressive, clapping your hands, raising your hands, kneeling, jumping up and down, you know, being more expressive tends to increase how deeply you worship. So whatever form that takes for you, have it as a goal to be expressive during worship. All right. In conclusion, three thoughts. Number one, anyone can be a good worshiper because a vibrant worship life is cultivated over time. So some people might think, well, Deanna, Sam Shampoon, so-and-so, God just made them better worshipers than me. They were born hating God just as much as you were. <laughs> A vibrant worship life is cultivated over time. People who have deeper worship lives have qualities about their lives, such as knowing God deeper, being relationally closer to God, being submitted to him, accepting his love, qualities that are cultivated. Anyone can be a, a vibrant or good worshiper. Thought number two, if you apply these things consistently, these nine principles, your worship will grow deeper. So if you want to grow deeper in worship, listen to this again. Make sure you make a list of the nine things. Make sure you think about them and apply them. Third thought, um, I think this is a timely message. I actually wasn't going to preach about this. I was going to continue the series I was doing, but I decided to end it because it ended cleanly. But, um, but I was trying to decide what to speak about today. And no matter which direction I tried to take it, it just kept coming back to speaking on worship. Because we're in a season as a church where God's trying to increase our worship. God's trying to increase our worship, which will increase the power, the sanctification, the presence of God, the knowing God, how effective our outreach is. This will open so many blessings as a church. This is God's will for us as a church right now.
is to pursue God deeper in worship. Let's close in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day and we thank you that we can come before you to worship you and to have joy in your presence. We pray that you would help us to get to know you deeply. We pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts and that we would see you. We pray that we, you would draw thoughts, you would bring scriptures to memory and that we would be mentally engaged and spiritually engaged during worship. We pray that we would see your glory and see your love and be changed by them. We pray that we would come to know you so much deeper and we would grow deeply in hunger for you. We pray that your glory and presence would change our lives. We thank you for your grace and amen.